Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. You know, to be honest, the only thing shocking about this story is that it didn't come out sooner. Ladies and gentlemen, Biden's Secret Service says cocaine found in West Wing of White House, contradicting early reports. That's right. The West Wing, where the Oval Office is, they found cocaine. Now, I gotta be honest. I am assuming it was crack cocaine and not just any old cocaine, but it was a white pottery substance. So, okay, fine. Maybe it was just regular old cocaine, but I think we all know where it came from. I think we all, we all have a good guess. How was your 4th of July weekend? We ended up taking uh, the day off. You know, I didn't want to make anybody work on the 4th. And to be honest, nobody wanted to work on the 4th anyway. So we're back. And we've got just uh, uh, what, 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 uh, what a past couple of days, couple of days. They found, cra- uh, they found cocaine in the White House. Now, I do want to be fair as we start to talking about this story and just point out, you know, to be honest, there's probably a lot of presidents who have do- done a bunch of crazy drugs in the White House. And I don't know about all the presidents or anything like that. I feel like there's probably a period from maybe after the, what do you think, like maybe after the 20s to possibly the 80s where drugs were probably not that prominent. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's a little naive of me. I got to say, you know, I've asked people, I've asked my friends, like, what do you think? And they're like, dude, Clinton was definitely doing drugs, like probably a lot of coke. But here's the story. The post reports. Reports emerged on Monday that cocaine was found on the White House grounds, causing the Secret Service to rush people out. <laughs> Evacuated them. I love the story here. Look, this is from the BBC from four hours ago. Cocaine found in White House sparks brief evacuation. Uh Uh-huh. The Secret Service is investigating after cocaine was found at the White House on Sunday night. The discovery in the West West Wing, which contains the Oval Office and other working areas for presidential aides and staff, led to a brief evacuation. Secret Service agents found the suspicious powder in an area that is accessible to tour groups while doing a routine inspection. Okay, all right. And they say Biden and his family were at Camp David in Maryland at the time. You see what they're trying to do here? They're trying to make the argument that, in fact, it was probably a tourist who brought in the illicit drugs. Really, really don't think so. And I'll tell you why. You're going to be a random tourist and bring in Coke. 
you're going to prison for a very, very long time. You need to be able to get that past security. Who can? I don't know. Maybe the drug addicted president's son. And to be fair, we don't know for sure it was haunted. I think everyone just assumes it because the dude does crack and there's videos of him doing it. Uh, Maybe he's cleaned up. But, you know, I don't know. I I don't want to drag the guy over his addictions or anything because it is it is sad when you hear these stories. But I'm sorry, you know, if I'm going to make an educated guess on this one, it's going to be the Bidens have turned the White House into a crack house. Why would I assume otherwise? And think about this. We know that Hunter Biden's been doing crack for a long time. And Joe Biden was the vice president. The likelihood that Hunter Biden brought crack into the White House, I think, is like nearly 100 percent. Now, in the current administration, it looks like, well, they found cocaine, whether or not it's actually Hunter's or not. Here's the latest update. White House cocaine mystery deepens as Secret Service says it was found in the West Wing, not in the library. Joe and Hunter's July 4th celebrations clouded in controversy as agents try and track down who was responsible for dropping drugs. Hunter Biden was among the first family members at 1600 Pennsylvania for the festivities just hour after it was confirmed. A white powder that sparked a hazmat situation contained traces of the illicit drug traces. What are they talking about? The White House has stayed silent on the shocking discovery on Sunday night that forced an evacuation while the president was in Camp David with his recovering drug addict son, Hunter. Okay. The mystery of the cocaine also deepened on Tuesday afternoon when Secret Service officials said it was found in the West Wing, an area used by members of the Biden administration, White House staff, and hundreds of journalists. You know, if you were to tell me that a bunch of journalists were bringing in coke, I, I, okay. Yeah. Yeah, strong possibility. These people I don't think are are, are particularly trustworthy. But, you know, I I do find it absolutely fascinating that uh, this this, this is where we are. This is where we've made it to. And it kind of feels like, you know, why would they even report this? Why would they even admit to it unless they're trying to get rid of Joe Biden? I don't know a lot of people and a lot of people were saying that they're trying to prop up Biden and protect him. Actually, I wonder about that. I wonder if they're going to use Joe Biden as a pariah, have him as a sacrifice. They need it. And this makes a lot of sense. You look at 2020. They needed somebody who they could use to defeat Trump, but they could easily throw away. The idea being they're not going to beat Trump a second time in the exact same way. They need something else. And so we'll take anybody. Some of the arguments being made in 2020 was that they didn't want to waste an up and coming political star. You know, Pete Buttigieg, they said, oh, look at this guy. Granted, who is Pete Buttigieg, right? So I don't think he's going anywhere. But the concern was nobody was ready. Nobody wanted to do it. And they needed someone just to serve as a placeholder. As that one famous news article said, stay alive, Joe Biden. All we need is your corporeal form. And that is to say right now, they do not want Joe Biden to run again in 2024. I am hearing these silly rumors. I do think they're silly that there won't be an election in 2024. And uh, it's just ridiculous. Look, man. The idea that there would not be an election is just too far fetched for me. I think it's a, that's just, you know, everybody's always saying something crazy. But, uh, you know, I entertain the possibility. Let's say that uh, Russia escalates the conflict in Ukraine. Maybe some nuclear weapons are used. And like we already saw with Ukraine and Zelensky being like, we can't have elections. Maybe something like that happens. I doubt it. I don't think anything like that has happened in the U.S. I mean, it would be, uh, granted, we had the Civil War and all that stuff, sure. They say the West Wing includes the Oval Office, this we understand. Both career and political White House staff traverse the West Wing on a daily basis, 
The sheer number of individuals in that space daily spans all the way up to the president's closest advisors down to cleaning and maintenance staff. Following initial reports, the white powder substance was found in the library and was confirmed as cocaine. Trolls began to speculate that the pre- that President Biden's addict, addict son, Hunter Biden, was the source of the illicit drug, making it to the White House. Trolls? You see, come on, guys. Trolls? How about reasonably educated individuals on the issue making an educated guess on the matter? Seriously? Look, anybody could have brought this drug in. It could have been brought in accidentally. They say maybe it was just trace amounts. Who knows? Maybe it was a big bag. It could have been literally anybody. A lot of people do drugs. A lot of people come in the White House. And fair point, they weren't even there. So who knows? But I'm sorry. If I have to make an educated guess, the first thing I'm going to say is, let's ask Hunter Biden, what's up? Here we go. You ready for this one? I love this story from Fox News. Look at this. Hunter Biden driving 170 miles an hour in Porsche among new laptop photos posted online. The president's son was reportedly heading to Las Vegas, where he cavorted with, <laughs> with prostitutes. Well, you know, if that's the case, then I find it reasonable to assume that Hunter Biden is the guy bringing drugs into the White House. But Fox News, I absolutely love how you framed this story. Can we perhaps dig a little deeper into what the photos actually showed? We sure can, ladies and gentlemen. Leaked photos. Hunter Biden smokes crack while driving at high speed. U.S. President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, supposedly filmed himself smoking crack while driving a car at a speed of 172 miles per hour as he was on his way to Las Vegas, Nevada, according to a report by Marca last Sunday. The visual is part of thousands of photos that were recently found in Hunter's discarded laptop. In the leaked photo from 2018, look at that. Hunter, now aged 53, could be seen holding a crack pipe then lighting and smoking it as he drove through a road full of houses, which was later recognized as Arlington, Virginia. Wow. Another photo showed Hunter traveling to Vegas, driving a Porsche at high speed. The report said messages on the discarded laptop suggested a hot tub party with multiple women waiting for him. And nobody ever said this guy lived a boring life, to be completely honest. Hunter had been a drug addict and confessed to abusing cocaine as a college student. He has been in and out of rehabilitation. In his memoir, Beautiful Things, the 53-year-old talked about not being able to make it home from the corner liquor store with a plastic jug of vodka without taking a swig of it. A plastic jug of vodka. What's the, what, 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 what is the revelation here? What is the story? Are we going to sit here and act like this is a, a shocking revelation of drug use? Let's be real. We know at the highest levels of corporations, they be doing drugs. We know that in government, they be doing drugs. If someone came to me and said, breaking news, members of Congress do coke, I'd be like, it's not breaking news. That's probably that's common knowledge. I would assume tons of these members of Congress are doing crazy drugs. Let's be honest. First of all, marijuana is an illegal drug, and we know everybody's basically smoking it. It's funny to me that you can have a movie like Half-Baked. Remember Half-Baked? Dave Chappelle's in it. A movie that comes out about people smoking weed a lot, or not necessarily, but, you know, it's a component of the film. And this is a Schedule 1 narcotic. This is, this is a very, very serious drug that gets you locked up. And, and we make movies about how everyone does it. Everyone's got a dealer. Everybody is smoking. 
It's kind of crazy. And now what do we see several, uh, well, like 10 or so years later, longer than that? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com promo code podcast. Get your seeds get prepared get growing arcseedkits.com now it's becoming recreationally legal it's strange to me that culturally we know everybody be doing drugs so come on let's be real who really brought the drugs in the white house here's my my assumption of what happened the news breaks about drugs in the white house joe immediately looks at hunter and hunter's like oh geez was that mine Meanwhile, the entire White House press corps, everyone's looking at each other and checking their pockets to make sure they didn't drop their cocaine. And then a bunch of presidential aides are like, was that me? Was that you? I still got mine. What about yours? Uh Uh-oh. Dude, my point is tons of people are probably bringing drugs here all the time, probably higher level people who don't have to worry about security all that much. So it's probably less likely to be a journalist or tourist, more likely to be an administration official, probably someone relatively prominent, in which case maybe Hunter Biden. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Bidens have like besmirched the good name of this country because of drugs. I'll tell you they've besmirched the good name of this country with their abject corruption, you know, and to be honest, sure, Hunter Biden does drag down the decorum, as it were. And you know what? I'll, I'll say this. In the past, I've been like, you know, Donald Trump was uh, 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 you know, an affront to the decorum, the legacy. What I mean is, you know, Donald Trump is this brash, crude, crass guy who says, you know, ridiculous things on Twitter, now Truth Social. And these things were like mean and offensive and talking about, you know, only Rosie O'Donnell and things like that. And I was like, I can understand why people are upset about it. But come on, let's be real. You can criticize Donald Trump for having a potty mouth. But if you want to talk about a breach of decorum, let's talk about the Biden family, the abject corruption the selling of of U.S. interests and the rampant drug use. Yeah. Now I know. Fair point. Not they're not the only ones. I'm sure tons of people you'd be doing drugs. But don't come to me and tell me that Donald Trump is a stain in the legacy of this country. There were a lot of crass and crude presidents, probably many drug addicted presidents, too. I think that's fair point. But the Bidens have brought a new level of just, I don't know, ill repute to the White House. Trump can say naughty words, but what's more embarrassing? A president, the big guy, getting 10% with a drug-addled son or Donald Trump being mean on the internet? Now, I know that the left is going to come out and be like, what all the other awful things that Trump did? You know, grab him by the you-know-why. You know, those videos. I'm like, dude, I get it. Trump is a reality TV real estate mogul. You know, it, it, he's, he's a crazy personality. He's not the first... He's not the first crazy personality. He's not. Reagan was an actor. And to be fair, the Bidens aren't the first 
to be corrupt and, and drug addled, but they certainly are one of the worst. You can't tell me that Donald Trump's, first of all, Donald Trump's family is completely fine. They lied about Don Jr. What do you really get from Ivanka and Jared? They're like, I don't know, they're hoity-toity, you know, uh, well-dressed, waspy, etc. I mean, they're Jewish, but you, you get my point. Like, I don't know, fairly upper crust. Uh, we're run of the mill. It's the best I can say. Donald Trump, of course, not so much run of the mill, but is his potty mouth and demeanor worse than a crooked president selling out this country with a drug addled son? Even Joe Biden's brother isn't on the deal. I reference it all the time. The Politico uh, magazine story, Biden Inc., how the family fortunes of the Bidens tracked alongside his career. Come on. But I would be remiss if I did not address the reality of the story. I love this. I, I pulled this article up. It's from The Washington Post, 2014. A brief history of illicit drug use at the White House. Because, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Hunter Biden being a drug addict and somebody bringing drugs into the White House, because we, we, we assume it's Biden, you know, Hunter, maybe, but we don't know for sure. Oh, come on. It ain't the first. Let's be real about what this country is all about. Willie Nelson talked about smoking a joint. Snoop Dogg claimed to have smoked a joint, I guess. Yeah, Willie Nelson says, I rolled a joint at the White House. Grace Slick, this one's amazing, tried to spike White House tea with acid. Jefferson Airplane Slick had a story about her failed plan to spike Nixon's tea with acid after receiving an invitation to the White House. I mean, that could kill somebody. Yo, this is crazy. Poisoning someone. Trisha Nixon went to the same New York girls finishing school that I did. But 10 years later, when I attended, my maiden name was Wing. Trisha invited all the graduates, including me, to a White House tea party. Her people didn't know that Grace Wing was Grace Slick. Her first husband was Jer Jerry Slick. So I called Abby Hoffman and said, guess where we're going? I had planned to spike Richard Nixon's tea with acid. But when Abby and I were online, a security guard wouldn't let me in. He said, we checked and you're a security risk. Wow. These people are nuts. You know, the funny thing to me about the uh, about a lot of this stuff is I was uh, I, I love White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. I think it is one of the greatest songs of all time. And uh, Grace Lick, of course, famously wrote those lyrics. And I believe famously, like just impromptu in five minutes, wrote the, the song. It's a, it's, a, it's a masterful song. It's, it's really amazing. And uh, uh, yeah, White Rabbit. And uh, I, I was just fascinated by uh, the history in the 60s and all that. And then I look at where people are now, you know, where people like Grace Slick have gone and people in the 60s. And the funny thing is that back in the day, despite being hippies, they were substantially more conservative than they are today. Seriously. Yes, absolutely. No question. Even being hippies with all their views, still many of them were more conservative than they are today. It's a fascinating thing. You know, it, it really is interesting. I was talking about uh, skateboarding with some friends because we were watching old skate videos. And I don't want to name anybody because I don't want to drag. I don't want to, you know, I don't know, open any old wounds or anything like that. But there was uh, when I was growing up, there was an openly gay pro skater who was rejected and shunned. And for that, he had almost no career. And then several years later, one of the most prominent and famous pros came out and people were more ready for it and they were more accepting. And it's really fascinating to me because we're talking like, you know, early 2000s. And you'd think people would be like, oh, we're so much more progressive. No way. Gay marriage was what, 2015? Not really. So take a look at that. And then take a look at these these hippies in the 60s and 70s. You think they were as progressive as they are today? No. My point is this. Many of these people back then 
who uh, uh, were like the hippies and the left or whatever, were still much, 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 much more conservative. And today they just say whatever the left says. And now you see who they really are. These people just say whatever they think is popular. That you'll, you'll hear interviews from them in the past where, yeah, of course they were hippie lefty, but again, conservative by today's standards in many ways, not every way. Of course, they were free love and drugs and all that stuff. Absolutely still very lefty. I'm not saying it's absolute, but it's just, it's absolute hypocrisy. And it proves that I think these people just do whatever they think is popular, whatever they think will make them money. Which brings us to the Wall Street Journal. Hunter Biden and the media's terms of evasion. What's going on is unclear, but Republicans pounce anyway. They write, attentive students of the journalistic arts can train themselves to recognize liberal media bias. When a politician breaks the law and the story doesn't identify his party in the first paragraph, it's safe bet the offender's a Democrat. When Republicans pounce in the New York Times or the Washington Post, you can be sure the real story is that a Democrat has done something foolish or outrageous. Consider how the big outlets have covered the Hunter Biden tax investigation saga. The president's son convoluted business dealings have been known for years. Now Republican controlled House committees are coughing up juicy details. These pages have covered them. The mainstream press is reporting those details, too, if grudgingly, but insists, you remember one thing, important elements of the story remain unclear. This is journalese for nothing to see here, folks. On June 22nd, in its first story on the recent testimony by a pair of IRS whistleblowers, the Times noted that it was not immediately clear whether Joe Biden was physically present when Hunter sent a WhatsApp message threatening a Chinese business associate to pay up or risk his father's wrath. It is unclear what specific commitment the message refers to. The Post noted the same day. Whether Joe Biden knew Hunter was using his name in such a way was also not clear, the Times added. PolitiFact, a, quote, fact-checking outfit, Hosted by the Pointer Institute, chimed in what the commitment was and whether Joe Biden was present was unclear. Mm, Yeah. And a few days later, they wired him five million bucks. That's amazing. As for the whistleblower's claims, Justice Department sabotaged the investigation for political reasons. The AP offered that it was unclear whether the conflict they described amounted to internal disagreement or a pattern of preferential treatment. From a traditional journalistic perspective, that is to say an objective one, this is a concerning lack of clarity. You might think that seasoned reporters competing for scoops would sense opportunity and all the ambiguity, yet more than a week has gone by since the bombshell. WhatsApp message came out and things don't appear to have gotten any clearer. On June 27th, the Times acknowledged it remains unclear. You get the point. They say uh, they're going to say, I'd love to live in a world without media bias. What a relief it would be to open my morning paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all agree. We all know. But this is the reality. The media is in the bag for Democrats. End of story. We get it. However, I I bring this up for two reasons. One, yes, there is a bias protecting the Bidens, but I also do think that the walls are closing in. I know it's a silly meme. Bombshell, bombshell. The walls are closing in. I don't think Joe Biden's going to make it to 2024. I don't think he will be the presidential nominee, but I don't know for sure. What I can say is it's not been completely positive. And with the Bud Light saga and the Bud Light effect, the narrative seems to be changing rather dramatically. I went and saw The Sound of Freedom last night. And uh, uh, I got to be honest, I thought the theater would be empty. It wasn't. It wasn't full. Um, maybe one third, maybe a third full. Granted, a lot of the people there were uh, was, was, was me and the crew and everything. One of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And, uh, you know, there's a message at the end of it where Jim Caviezel says, share this movie, tell people to go see it, pay it for, get them tickets. We want them to see this because we want to have a positive impact in ending child trafficking. 
watching that movie in theaters at a major, uh, 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 at a large theater, I was just like, I think, I think things are changing. Angel Studios, uh, it's got some great movies coming out. And I'm like, I think we are winning this one. It may not just be that they're sacrificing the Bidens. It may be that we're actually starting to win and they know they can't compete. They'll try to protect the Bidens. But look at the stories that are coming out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. 600 jobs lost. I want to say that again. 600 people are losing their jobs because Bud Light demand is tanking. You know what? So be it. Bud Light caused this problem. It is their fault. And so for those who have lost their jobs, you know, I'm sorry to hear it. But y'all need to point the finger at Bud Light, not anybody who doesn't want to buy the product. Two bottling plants are shutting down because nobody's buying the bottles anymore. A decrease in demand means ain't nobody got a job for these people. You know, there is some collateral damage in that these people who had these jobs are going to be hurt by it. And I saw these stories, we've seen it for the past several months, where these companies are saying, please, please buy Bud Light because we, the the distributors and the bottling plants and the shipping departments, we're going to lose our jobs. And it's like, yo, no, I won't do it. I'm sorry, man. Three months ago, this kicked off and y'all start, should have started looking for new jobs right away when you knew it was getting bad. I am not going to buy Bud Light because there are factory workers who will be negatively impacted. I feel for those workers. I'm sorry this is happening, but I am not going to support this company. Bud Light destroyed their brand, refused to apologize. And so what have they done so far? Put out these ridiculous commercials. That's right. Bud Light has a new commercial where it's a bunch of men grunting. Seriously? Nice try, Bud Light. You are not going to recover from this, especially with Dylan Mulvaney coming out and reigniting the story once again, criticizing the brand. But this is what we see. And right now we have more news in the culture war front, a lot of news in the culture war front, and it is victories across the board. Ben and Jerry's is now finally under fire because they insulted Independence Day, as did several liberals. Well, Ben and Jerry's has always been this ridiculous woke brand, even though they're owned by Unilever, a massive multinational conglomerate. But now people are finally saying enough. We are not going to partake in these 
ridiculous and awful brands with garbage messaging. And so here we are. And so here we are. And on that front with the culture war, we also have the massive success for the opening day of Sound of Freedom. Have you heard about this movie? Jim Caviezel plays the role of Tim Ballard, a man who is stopping child trafficking. And the movie hit $10 million in sales for their opening day in a it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So this is where we all wrap it together. You know, this story was huge, these layoffs. But the bigger picture with all of this is we are winning the culture war. You know, I saw this thing on the uh, Young Turks trending because Anna Kasparian was talking about the term bonus hole, if you know what that means. And these leftists made videos claiming she was lying, that it's fake news. She's making it up and she must be right wing. But Anna was correct. And her opinion on the term was correct and her criticism of it was correct. But you know what I can say to the Young Turks? You reap what you sow. You know, if, if, if you want to come out and say, hey, maybe y'all were right when you were saying these leftists are lying and pushing these insane ideas. Instead, the Young Turks play this wishy-washy, look, yeah, that is bad, but we are not right wing. And so we're going to keep criticizing those who have been calling this stuff out. Doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense now, does it? But I can just tell you this. We're winning. We are. Good news. Here's the story from the Post Millennial. They report a global glass producer that contracts with Anheuser-Busch will be closing two of its locations and laying off over 600 employees. This comes amid declining sales the beer giant has suffered following their partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. According to WRAL, the Ardog Group announced that in July, they will be closing their plants in North Carolina and Louisiana in July, which will put approximately 645 employees out of work. So let me let me refresh, uh, uh, update that number. I said around 600, 645. Though the company did not say the reason for the closures, WRAL reported the plants are shuttering because of falling Bud Light sales following the nationwide boycott of their product after the Mulvaney partnership. An investigation by WRIL revealed that workers at both plants have noticed decreased production after the beer company partnered with Mulvaney. I'd like to stress, Bud Light was not only offering free beer. You buy their beer, they give you a rebate. They were offering to buy back the product from many of these locations, and they announced they were giving financial assistance to these organizations, to these to these indus- uh, in the industry. Companies that typically required Bud Light's massive sales were failing. So the CEO said they were giving them free money and people still don't want to buy your garbage product. And it's what Bud Light never understood. Their beer is trash, but people drink it because it's cheapo beer. It gets you drunk. I don't think anybody's drinking it for its taste. So there's no brand loyalty. And now it's gone. An internal memo from the Ardog Group acquired by WRAL stated the executive plan to shut down the two plants due to slow sales with Anheuser InBev. Employees employees told the outlet that a large part of the work at those plants was producing bottles for Bud Light and Budweiser. Machine repair mechanic David Williams told the outlet that their manager confirmed the closures were due to the Bud Light boycott. Because of Budweiser no longer selling the bottle, they no longer needed our product. Bud Light tanked since their partnership with Mulvaney, and yes, yes, we all know at this point. According to an uh, analysis by Nielsen, they say, uh, and Bump Williams, Bud Light sales by May were down 28%, and they're actually getting worse. 
Here we go. I don't understand how this actually, uh, let me let me pull up this one first. Bud Light sales shrunk 28% in the week before holiday weekend, the second worst year-on-year sales decline since the Mulvaney backlash. Take a look at this. So the worst so far was June 17th. And you know what? Okay, everybody. It looks like the 4th of July did help just a little bit. I went to uh, one store and they did have some Bud Light. They said some people are buying it, but not a whole lot. I have a photo out of Charlestown, West Virginia. The beer rack completely empty, except for the Bud Light and the Budweiser. I posted it on Twitter. This is real life. People will not touch this stuff. You're going to get made fun of. No, like you're just, you'll get shunned. So that's it. June 24th. In fact, you know, to be fair, this is the sales data not coming out of uh, 4th of July. So it may actually improve. I would not be completely surprised if the next data, the data comes out next week shows that the 4th of July actually did better in terms of sales. But talk about apocalyptic collapse. And now we have this quote. I don't understand how this appeals to Bud Light's target market of transgender youth. And battled brand is mocked again for its desperate ad featuring masculine grunts from Kansas City Chief star Travis Kelts. Kelsey? Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. Dude, who, who, would, who would take any money from Bud Light? Could you imagine? Let's uh, let me let me let me play the the clip for you. Here's here's the ad. I hope you're ready for this one. A bunch of men grunting. Easy to drink, easy to enjoy. You know, I just got to say, guys, considering the brand image that Bud Light has, I I try to keep these things family friendly. You know, I do. But it is astounding to me that there are two circles. Look, grunting is typically not associated with sitting down for a beer. Grunting. <laughs> I'll keep it family friendly, but you get my point. They are being mocked for being the LGBTQ brand and played the sounds of men grunting while drinking the beer. Okay, sure. I just will leave it at that and y'all can figure out the rest. The ad titled Backyard Grunts with Travis Kelts, is that how you pronounce Kelts? Is being labeled another desperate effort to regain support and has faced criticism online. With the majority of comments claiming the brand is attempting to save face once again. Well, of course they are. Of course they are. One person said, I'm actually embarrassed for Bud Light at this point. It's obvious they don't have the sense to be embarrassed themselves. This has become a complete joke. Just take it off the shelf already. We're not coming back. Never will I ever buy a Budweiser Bush product again, ever. Even the commercial people don't want to drink Bud Light. Actually, that's interesting. Does anybody actually drink the beer in the commercial? That's that's truly incredible. So um, you get the point. Winning. Let me show you what the latest news is. Liberals from Cory Bush to Ben and, J- uh, to ben and Jerry's attack U.S. on 4th of July. Stolen land, gleeful white supremacist. Today is a great day to demand reparations now, said Cory Bush. This is incredible. Bray Newsom says 
Americans' false belief that this country has been on a steady progression towards granting equal rights to all since its founding is exactly what inspires complacency in this hour as the Supreme Court replaces the Constitution with themselves. These people are nuts. You know, I was talking yesterday. We are a bunch of people. It's 4th of July. We're hanging out. And I was saying that, you know, and we even have some like there's some fairly liberal people here, you know, who are hanging out with us. And I'm like, dude, there is a big difference. Like a lot of people say gay marriage was the slippery slope. And I say, I understand conservatives arguing there's no such thing as gay marriage because marriage is an Abrahamic institution, right? Whatever. And so you make the argument about civil union or whatever. My point is this. Granting equal rights to gay couples to see each other in the hospital and share finances and things like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I really don't care. In fact, I think it's a net positive economically, to be completely honest. But I don't want to see anybody barred from being with the person that they love and care about. And that's a, that was a big issue. I know there are other ways around it. There's paperwork you can sign and stuff. But, you know, look, I really don't. It's not a slippery slope. I don't think so. You know why? Because two guys, two ladies, two whatever you want to call yourself, in, your, in the privacy of your own home, minding your own business, ain't no, ain't, ain't, it's not an issue for me. Not, not, not at all. Then what they start doing is they start trying to indoctrinate kids with kink. That's different. Well before we were fighting for gay rights, LGBT rights or whatever, or should say LGB rights at this point, because I, I don't know, I don't even know what's going on. Evil people existed who tried to do evil things to children. They say it was a slippery slope, gay marriage. I disagree. We don't have heterosexual kink education. It does not exist. What's happening is child abusers are infiltrating and trying to get lewd and lascivious material in front of children. They've always tried to do that. And that's it. That's the problem. The, the, whether or not someone wants to abuse children is not the same as whether or not two people are going to mind their own business and hang out with each other and live and love each other. That's it. So when someone says these books, Tim, these books like this book is gay and genderqueer, they say that was it's a slippery slope because once we legalized gay marriage, then they started teaching kids about, you know, gay sex in schools. And I'm like, listen, the the issue is this. Sex education is not kink education. It is science, biology, reproduction. Teaching kids about reproduction. What the left is doing right now is putting kink books like the book, This Book is Gay. That's what it's called. It's called This Book is Gay. And it's got instructions for children on how to use Grindr. Okay, that is not sex ed. They're lying. They just have creepy predilections for children. That and many of the other uh, liberal people just will say whatever they think is popular. So you have evil people who want to exploit and abuse children who have always been around, and they're doing just that. But my friends, they are losing. They can say all this stupid nonsense about America being bad or evil or whatever garbage. Cory Bush says the Declaration of Independence was written by enslavers and didn't recognize black people as human. Today is a great day to demand reparations now. Yes, a lot of a lot of racists in this country, slavery being bad and all that stuff. But, you know, we were talking about this on the 3rd of July, that it was John Adams who wrote July 2nd would be celebrated for generations. July 2nd. Hold on there a minute. It's the 4th of July. That's the holiday, right? Independence Day is the 4th of July. How could that be? It's quite simple. 
And July 2nd, I could be wrong because I've, I've only read a little bit, a little limited information on this. What I read recently was that July 2nd is when the Continental Congress voted on uh, to, uh, to approve a declaration of independence from the crown. The day they said, we hereby decree we are a new nation. However, there was some uh, controversy over some language in the Declaration of Independence in which they said, that stuff you wrote, Jefferson, how you want to get rid of slavery. Yeah, we can't have that because then some, I think it was South Carolina and Georgia would likely not join the, the, the uh, fight for independence. So after two days, Jefferson and those who opposed slavery. Yes, I know they were slave owners, but they wanted that language in there. Agreed to remove that as one of the issues. You see, while the founding fathers were far from perfect, slavery being a common practice at the time, they still thought was bad. Yet, to be fair, total fair criticism didn't feel bad enough to get rid of the slaves they had and free them. Yeah, okay, not perfect people. The point was they were planting the seeds of freedom and working towards a new nation, which, guess what? Granted people equal rights. What these people want is something totally different. I can't tell you what they want. They don't seem to know themselves. Take a look at this. Ben and Jerry's. This 4th of July, it's high time we recognize the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Really? Okay. Here's here's what I'll say. I made a large contribution to uh, I've made large contributions to several big efforts. Uh, supporting a man who I believe was wrongly charged with a, a, a crime. He was acting in self-defense. You probably know the story. I've contributed to individuals I believe are fighting a, 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 a an important fight in the culture war. We've done several shout outs for our members Fridays. That's what we do. Friday is member shout out. We shout out your projects because y'all are supporting this show every day. So, you know, shout out. I like to put my money where my mouth is because I'm not here for wealth, fame, and fortune. I'm here because of passion and belief and convictions. Ben and Jerry's, Unilever, you give up your land first. No joke. I will tell you this. If Ben and Jerry's gives the land they are on to the Native Americans who were there before them, I will buy a large plot of land and donate it. How about that? I'll tell you this. It's a safe bet. They're not going to do it. They're going to sit here and whinge. But Unilever, they can't give the land away. They can't do it. If Ben and Jerry's gave the land away that they were on, shareholders would revolt. They'd get sued left and right. But let's see it. Let's see how far your passions and your convictions really go. Hey, I'm a capitalist, baby. And I still talk about how the mission here is not to make money. It's, it's for the cause and what we believe in and want to make the world a better place. I have no problem saying I buy nice things and we're doing really well because I'm a capitalist. We're all capitalists. You do good work. You live well. You want to work 16 hour days and apply your, your entire being to your job. You will succeed too. perseverance is the key. And that was always the idea of what capitalism was. You invent a light bulb and you make things better for people. Good. You deserve to be rich. And the funny thing about the light bulb example is my understanding is they wanted to create a filament that broke so they can keep selling more light bulbs and they could have made light bulbs better. I know there's a lot of actual arguments about it. They say the real reason was that the, the light bulbs that lasted forever were prohibitively expensive and cheaper replaceable ones are easier for people to buy in the long term. I think, I think, you know, if you look at the way the economy went, a lot of loans, it takes a lot of money to build a house because you got to pay people fairly. 
the average person doesn't have that money and prices are, I do, I do think house prices are, are, are way high, but you know, the point is finding a way to make it more affordable in the short term, but finding that balance. Simply put, Edison, not the greatest guy in the world, far from perfect, but we believe that if you work hard and you do good, you do good and you do well. If you do good, you do well. These people don't seem to get it. So you know what? I don't believe them. I don't. But you know what I want to say? I want to say when it comes to winning, we're winning in all the right areas. Deadline reports Jim Caviezel anti-child trafficking thriller Sound of Freedom notches $10 million presales before July 4th opening. I didn't buy any presales. We, we bought our tickets day of. Theater was probably a third full. To be fair, we had, I think, eight of the seats in it. I think, uh, I think half the theater cried for the first 45 minutes. Yo, this movie is incredible. No question. You know, and they try to drag them as like faith based or whatever. And it's like there's like two or three lines in the movie that have anything to do with religion. And they're not really about religion. In the trailer, Tim Ballard, played by uh, Jim Caviezel, says God's children are not for sale. Yo, you don't have to be religious to understand the point of that statement. The, 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 the children of the world, the, 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 the future of the planet, those who inher- inherit this are not for sale. And so they say, oh, they're faith based movies, dude. Let me tell you, incredibly well scored. The music, I was impressed. The pacing, the, the production value. It is an A plus 10 out of 10 movie. It's, it's incredible to see uh, uh, those who are pushing back on the, on the corruption of Hollywood making something so well. Let me just tell you, you know, I got accused of virtue signals. I said it was a 10 out of 10. I went and saw Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse. There's no ending. It was like three hours of random things happening. And then it ends with a to be continued. Sorry, spoiler alert. And I was like, I can't believe it. it's like the worst movie I've ever seen. And people are like, no, Tim, it's good. I'm like, no, it wasn't. I watched this movie. Look, typically, like, you know, I'm going to battle, put on a movie. There's a lot of new movies out. And some of my turn off halfway. This, for the first 45 minutes, I, I think most of you will be crying. And, and you won't even realize how fast, like, time is flying because you will be locked into the film. Spoilers. Not really spoilers, but, like, it's not a spoiler. They actually show real surveillance footage in the intro of kids being taken and, and real surveillance footage of some of the uh, raids they conducted. I mean, wow. Absolutely wow. There's, uh, it's not an absolute true story. It's based on a true story. But uh, it's a suspense adult. There's, there's a, a little bit of action. It's very dramatic. The performance by these kids will rip your heart out. So here's my point. The reason why I bring this up in this context. Bud Light puts out an ad with Dylan Mulvaney, an individual who targets children in, in disturbing ways, trying to sell booze to kids, people under 21. I think the drinking age should be lower, but Dylan Mulvaney's audience is reportedly less than that, less than 18. We're seeing now what's going on in these schools. And then what do we see? We are starting to win the parallel economy emerging. Jim Caviezel's movie, 10 million in pre-sales. That is huge. And they tried everything in their power to stop this movie. I recommend it. I really, really do. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And the reason, first of all, the story moves perfectly. Like it is, it is well made. There's no boring parts. You're like, you're in it. There's a, the, the beginning for the first 45 minutes is like, you're, you're, you're on the verge of crying, like nonstop. Many people were. 
Then it gets to there, there are some really funny parts where you smile when the heroes are winning and the plans they're making and things like that. I love it. But this is it. Pushing back on Hollywood. Winning. Talent making a movie where we're saying, you know, leave these kids alone. It's really, really something else. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it feels good. I feel optimistic. You can see right here trending on the headline. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, $82 million plus five day total. Not far from July 4th disaster Superman Returns box office. We're not out of the woods yet. Look, Sound of Freedom is not Indiana Jones. Sound of Freedom is an indie film. And it's doing this well. If movies like this can succeed, then there's there's a chance that we're going to get better and better movies in the uh, a lot of the trailers in the movie uh, in the beginning are from Angel Studios. And one is called The Shift, which is just a sci fi film. Didn't look like the best trailer I've ever seen. Looked like a C plus movie, but it's a movie. It's about interdimensional travel. I'm like, you know, they 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 they're like, oh, but the studio is so religious. And I'm like, it looks like they're just making movies to get out of Hollywood. And they're not that. I don't know. I, I'm just like, I, I calm down. You're allowed to have some of that in the movie. It's not they're not beating you over the head with it. But I was impressed to see that they've got some movies coming out that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. I want to support this. I'm not big into Christianity or religion, not at all. This movie didn't have it wasn't really about that. But if you are Christian, obviously you really like it. My point is this: you know there are certain values we hold dear, protecting kids, our families, rejecting the wokeness. We're winning. Sorry for those people who lost their jobs, man. But it's good news across the board for our culture. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see y'all then. We've known for a long time that the government was colluding with big tech companies to censor opinions they did not like. This is a massive story breaking. The Wall Street Journal reports, judge orders Biden officials to limit contact with social media companies. Ruling says Biden administration policing of social media likely violated the First Amendment. Now, that's the gist of the news. And we know that they were, that, that the executive branch was in contact with these social media companies to the point where they were, yes, violating your First Amendment right. They called it mis- and disinformation. But who is the government to decide what information is true or not? Quite literally, the purpose of the First Amendment. I want to show you this tweet first. It's from Paul D. Thacker. He says, the White House claims they did not pressure social media companies to censor. After Facebook refused to censor some accounts, White House official Rob Flaherty emailed, quote, are you guys effing serious? I want an answer on what happened here and I want it today. Amazing. The Office of Digital Strategy is in amazing hands. I'm over the moon, says Rob Flaherty that Christian and Patrick are joining the White House and that Terika is getting promoted. Three of the best, smartest and kindest in the biz. Truly incredible. I would like to show you how CNN categor- uh, uh, framed this tremendous uh, uh, court ruling, which quite literally says, yeah, they're doing it and they have to stop. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone's favorite CNN. Oh, I'm sorry. I always do that. You know it. You know, I'm always going to have the incorrect uh, audio. Here we go. But this judge, Trump appointed judge, but this judge was confirmed 98 to zero by the Senate. Just reading the words in this injunction, a, quote, massive effort by the defendants 
to suppress speech based on content. Those are the judge's words. Calling the present case, quote, arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history, Ellie. Yeah. It's a dramatic uh, decision by this judge. If you read through it, he's citing to literature and George Washington and Ben Franklin. Here's what really. Is- oh, oh, he's citing the founding fathers. Mm, heavens is astonishing to me. This is a conservative ideology that clearly comes through in this decision. It's a conservative political ideology, right? We saw some of the quotes questioning vaccines, questioning masks, conservative talking points. But the ruling itself is the opposite of judicial conservatism. This is one of the most aggressive, far-reaching rulings you'll ever see. What this judge is purporting to do is to micromanage, really, the day-to-day interactions between essentially the entire executive branch, all these agencies that are listed as defendants, and the leading social media companies. And in the actual temporary injunction, the judge basically says, you're not allowed, administration, to talk to these social media companies about any protected free speech except for cybersecurity threats, national security threats, criminal threats. But where's the line? Who's going where's the to line? Believe? That's it. No, no, no. Seriously. He says you can't talk to social media companies about free speech issues unless it's national security, cybersecurity. Where's the line, bro? You literally just described the line. That's it. We recognize that there is free speech. We also recognize that there are limits. We really do. I'm not a 2A, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I should say I'm very close to being a 2A absolutist, but uh, I'm not a 1A absolutist. I'm not a complete 2A absolutist, and I'll explain. I'm not an absolutist on any of the amendments because there has to be judicial interpretation. What is the purpose of the First Amendment? It protects your right to speech, assembly, religion, press, and a redress of grievances. It's a lot in there. Basically, our right to dissent. And that's why it's the first. The First Amendment was actually going to be something different way back in the day, but uh, ultimately they settled on this one. The purpose is your ability to express your political views to bring about change, not to advocate for violence and crime and things of that nature. And we've actually improved the right of free speech over some time. It used to be that you couldn't be obscene. Sure, we had these rights in the Constitution, but people didn't really uphold them. But now we do so more. We do so. uh, We do so much more. As for 2A, my issue is this. It's not an absolute right to always own a gun. It is pending due process. And this this was a change for me because for a period I was probably more absolutist and people said, you know, you can lose rights through due process. And I said, ah, okay. So I guess my view is for right now, if look, I don't think people should have nukes or anything like that, but you got to amend the constitution. We call it an oversight in the Founding Fathers part. They said you could own weapons and people you keep in bare arms. And there were people who own private warships and there are private companies that own bombers and jets and drones and all that stuff even to this day. So, yeah, you can privately own these things. It's a constitutionally protected right. Now, if you commit a crime and we say, here's the limit, I don't completely disagree with that. It's due process. I do want to point this out, though. The government can make something nonsensical a crime. Then when you break the law, they say you're a felon. You can't have a gun anymore. And that is not legitimate. But I do think there are reasonable uh, things to be uh, to be done. You know, I was talking. uh, I'm sorry. I was watching just last night. We went and saw Sound of Freedom. I am very much against the death penalty. And I think to the words of Ben Franklin and to uh, Blackstone's formulation, he said it's better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent suffer. Benjamin Franklin said it's better that 100 guilty persons escape than one innocent suffer. You know what I thought to myself as I watched that movie last night? I'm not sure the founding fathers considered 
child trafficking when they said that, because there is a very, very, very difficult question to be asked. We want to stop evil. And this is some of the most depraved evil. And as I'm watching this film, I thought to myself, should we have a very, very strict police force, law enforcement apparatus to stop these people? And I'm like, absolutely, we have to. And then I was, I was thinking about, you know, the death penalty and my fears of the death penalty. And, and, and the issue is this. Some people forfeit their right to life through serious crimes against humanity. At, that's what uh, human societies all over the world throughout history have determined. That is to say, we don't want violence. We don't want people to lose their lives. But some people, when they cross that line and are taking lives and harming people, we say it's, the, it's what, what, what must be done. I think that lethal force uh, typically should only be applied in defense. There's probably some very extreme circumstances. So nothing's absolute, but we don't want to see that stuff. We don't. So I oppose the death penalty. But watching that movie last night, you know, people have said to me, yeah, but crimes against children, you know, and I'm like, you're right. These evil, evil people, they, 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 the crimes they've committed against these children. But my fear is the government killing the wrong person, taking the life. And that's, that's, I don't, I don't know if, 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 how do you, how do you deal with that? But when confronted with that question of people who traffic children and our need to stop such a depraved evil by any means necessary, do we really allow 10 child abusers to escape? to save one? Oh boy, that's a tough question. You know, in the end, I still, I still believe in that vision of letting the guilty escape to prevent the innocent suffering, because if the innocent suffer, then people lose faith in the system outright. But boy, is it a tough question. And I said, I don't know if the Founding Fathers considered all that stuff. But back to the question at hand as it pertains to free speech. This one's actually relatively simple. You're not supposed to incite rebellion against the U.S. government. That's not free speech, interestingly, right? It's seditious conspiracy. Where is the line between you saying you want a revolution in this country being free speech and you actually organizing a rally to advocate for revolution? Which one? Right. So there, there, there is a line. My point is this. Nothing is absolute. If you engage in an effort that involves physical action to subvert the government. OK, now you're in seditious conspiracy territory. If you are just speaking about the need for it. Hmm. Could that be considered incitement to sedition? There are challenging questions and it's not so easy to say whether or not some speech is protected free speech or whether it is seditious or in violation of the law. Here I can tell you this. What the U.S. government had been doing clearly violated the First Amendment. Because we're talking about people going online and posting their political opinions. We're talking about people saying the name of a guy. I'm not even sure I can say this guy's name this day. They were taking down videos and posts because people said a name. That is a violation of the First Amendment outright. No question. No question. Actually, I'm wondering if we still have grounds to sue, considering it's been several years since they took down one of my videos. Maybe I should pursue that. A 155 page ruling issued Tuesday by U.S. District Judge Terry Doty of Louisiana barred Wattis officials and multiple federal agencies from contacting social media companies with the purpose of suppressing political views and other speech normally protected from government censorship. How did it even happen in the first place? Erosion, I guess. Cultural decay. The judge's injunction came in a lawsuit led by Republican attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana, who alleged that the Biden administration fostered a sprawling federal censorship enterprise in its effort to stamp out 
what it viewed as rampant disinformation circulating on social media. The government, the lawsuit claimed, pressured social media platforms to scrub away disfavored views about COVID-19 health policies, the origins of the pandemic, the Hunter Biden laptop story, election security, and other divisive topics. Even Joe Rogan pointed out that the laptop suppression was election interference. Hmm, I wonder. Well, it's good news for now, and it's a historical moment. I wonder what the future has in store. What, what will the future say about us today when they write these stories? I guess it depends on who wins. Will they say that we pushed back against the absolute corruption, abject evil of the democratic establishment and neoconservative agendas? Or if we lose, will they say that this was a backstep, but ultimately they won the fight against disinformation? I got to be honest, I think we're winning. The Bud Light story and all the others prove that point, as does this. They're losing. Evil people are losing. Hmm. You love to see it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Last night, I went and saw the film The Sound of Freedom. And it was incredible. 10 out of 10 on my part. And uh, but I'll explain. I'm not saying that everything done in the film was done perfectly. I'm not saying it's a it's a perfect film. I'm saying that some areas were so good that overall I would recommend this 10 out of 10. There are some things where it's like you could change that, you could change this, but some areas are just so good. And I think ultimately for me, what makes this film so good is for one, the real world political messaging, it matters. This is not some waste your Friday night movie. This is a culture shifting moment for a variety of reasons. I'm going to have spoilers in this video, but I will warn you before we get to the spoiler portion and we will start with the simple cultural elements and the general review, which will not reveal anything about the film. The first thing I, first thing I will say is go see this movie for a variety of reasons. Most importantly, we're trying to build a parallel economy. We're trying to help independent studios take off to compete with the likes of Hollywood. It's going to take a lot of effort. Simply put, if we want to defeat the woke garbage that's coming out of these big companies, we need real competition. Angel Studios is hitting the nail on the head with the hammer. This film is, I think for the average person, indistinguishable from any other Hollywood film. Okay, now hold on. I'm not saying like content wise. I'm saying production wise. I went to the movie theater. We watched a movie and it was really, really well made. There's a trope about you know, when the right tries to make movies, they're like lower quality and stuff. This was this was as good, as good a quality as a movie could be. The scoring was great. The pacing was great. All in all, recommend this film. You will be crying for the first 45 minutes of this film. So let's talk a, a little bit about uh, the cultural elements. Child trafficking. That's what this movie's about. A very serious global problem I know all of you care deeply about. The intro to this film is absolutely brutal. It's not a spoiler to say, uh, sort of, it's, a, it's, not a it's not a plot element. They just, there's actual real footage. Mm -hmm. Nothing graphic or anything like that, but man, uh, the ending was really, really powerful. Special message from Jim Caviezel, where he asks everybody to encourage others to see the film, pay it forward, and hopefully this can be a wake-up call like Uncle Tom's Cabin to fight against real-world slavery today. Is it a fact? It is a fact that there are more slaves today than there have ever been in the history of this planet. No joke. 
And it's worse in a lot of ways because the, the, a lot of these are children being trafficked. So all in all, here's what I'll say about the film. The film is a, it's an adult suspense, law enforcement. There's a bit of a mission and plot element to it. There's some scheming. Um, all in all, I would say it's well-rounded in terms of a little bit of action, not too much, but a good amount. Suspense, drama. I think I, I, I give it a very, very high rating. On the, uh, on the story alone, I would give it uh, 9 out of 10. Maybe, 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 maybe I'd be fair to say 10 out of 10. Production values, 9 out of 10. You know, all, all in all, I give it a really high rating. But um, so I'll, I'll put it at that because I really do want to get into the important elements as we start moving towards more spoilers. I got to talk about the stuff in this film. So we're going to start entering light spoiler territory. You're being warned because I don't want to ruin the film for you, but it is based on a true story. Let's start there. Tim Ballard was a, a, a law enforcement officer in the federal government working for Homeland Security who was trying to save kids. The film uh, this is on the trailer, by the way. Uh, the story goes that there's this, this clip they put out. It's very, it's, it's uh, very viral where Ballard is, is asked by an agent, how many pedos have you caught? And he says to, to date, 288. And he says, and how many kids have you saved? And he goes, well, look, many of these kids are outside of the United States. There's nothing we can do about that. And the guy says, like, I don't think I can do this job. And that's where things kick off. Basically, this dude decides he's got to save these kids. So before we get into the hard spoilers, he encounters a real problem when he, when he tries to save a child that in order to save them and they're outside the U.S., he doesn't have the jurisdiction or the permission. This causes issues where he has to quit his job and then team up with other people who really want to put an end to this by going down to these Central American countries and putting their own lives on the line. There's some wealthy people involved, some benefactors, some people in the know that help them stage an operation where they begin their effort, ultimately succeeding in rescuing many, many children. And uh, the ending is truly, truly fantastic, where um, they actually show real footage of the raids conducted by this organization. Uh, they've actually saved a lot of kids. So let's let's talk spoilers. Spoiler alerts, and I will I will tell you, uh, man, what really, really hit me hard in terms of excellent writing. There's a, 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 a segment in, uh, there's a story arc in Naruto, the anime, oh, bear with me, that I'm a huge fan of, that I think uh, was masterfully written. You don't got to be a fan of anime. I know many of you maybe, maybe aren't. But in this famous Japanese story, there is a, an orphan kid. His name is Naruto. He grows up with no parents because, uh, long story short, is his parents sacrificed themselves to save the village from a demon. I know, little it's fantasy and stuff like that. Naruto eventually encounters a bad guy named Pain. And in their fight, Naruto uh, espouses his ethos. It sends chills down the spine of the villain who has a change of heart. Why? Masterfully written. I, one, of the, one of the best bits of storytelling I've ever read. It is, uh, Naruto was named by, uh, uh, let me slow down. Uh, Naruto's dad had a teacher who wrote a story about a character named Naruto. Naruto's dad decides to name his son after the character in the book. Naruto in the book was actually a name that the Jiraiya, the teacher, came up with because of a pupil he had named Nagato. The character was inspired by this kid that seemed to have all the idealism and energy uh, the world had to offer. So let me slow down. 
Jiraiya meets a kid. The kid refuses to give up. The kid says, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to be the hero and unite everybody and, and end all the suffering. Jiraiya is inspired by meeting this kid, eventually writes a book where he writes a story about this kid, Naruto. Naruto's father, a pupil of Jiraiya, names his son Naruto. Naruto is inspired by these stories. One day encounters Pain, who is Nagato, and then espouses back Nagato's own ethos back at him, which rips his heart out, makes him realize he's become the villain he fought to end. And here he was basically looking into a mirror. His influence and inspiration had created this young man who sought to make the world a better place. Truly inspiring bit of storytelling. In this movie, the reason I bring that up, there was another masterfully done, <laughs> it's just really well done, not as, not as, not as uh, circuitous. Spoilers. Here we go. The uh, main character, Tim Ballard, he's a real guy, catches a pedo who is online uploading content. And he asks his boss for uh, a week to try and sting this guy to, to catch a, a real world offender. Someone is actually trafficking kids. This guy uploading videos online says he doesn't act on his fantasies. He's just uploading content. Ballard tricks the guy who eventually helps him arrange a real world encounter in child trafficking, believing that this this guy was going to exploit a kid. They eventually seek out uh, this trafficker, catch him and rescue the kid. Now, let's talk about the intro to the movie. And again, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Yo, the intro to this movie rips your heart out. A woman goes to the house of the single father where there's a little girl and she says she's a talent agent. The little girl believing she's been chosen for this potential opportunity uh, talks to her dad who has, they have a meeting with this woman. She sees the son and she says, both of your kids should come and, and do an audition. But you know where this goes. I won't reveal too much, but you get the general idea. This kid is ultimately rescued by the main character, uh, Tim Ballard, played by Jim Caviezel. When, man, this really got me going. When the, the little girl, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, because if you're planning on going and see it, you don't want to hear this. You need to see it for yourself, truly. But I, I really want to talk about it. When, they're, when, they, when they get kidnapped and are being trafficked on a ship, the little girl gives a pendant with, um, I believe it's a, a, a writing from St. Timothy, in Spanish, Timoteo, to her little brother. When he rescues the little boy who had been trafficked and abused, and he tells the kid his name. Man, the kid, such good acting. He's like, that's your name? And then he shows him the necklace that says Timoteo on it. And it was just like divine inspiration. Really, really well written. I can't even I can't even begin to describe the really well done plot elements in the story that make it otherworldly. The reason why I brought up the, the story of Naruto is because it's one of those things that really hits you in the chest, but was uh, it makes you uh, it's a powerful story, something that doesn't really happen. It's a rare occurrence to have something like that happen in this story. You basically get this feeling of divine intervention. And there's another scene where there's this guy in Colombia who's uh, uh, trying to save kids as well, but masquerades as a trafficker. He buys the kids and then frees them. And he says, I, I believe it's him. He says, when God tells you what you must do, you must do it. There's, there, there's, 
you know, Deadline tries to make it very much like, oh, they're faith based. And I'm like, it's even somebody who doesn't believe in God and is Christian or whatever understands the idea of fate, the fates, your destiny. These things exist outside of religion, too. And so you can really understand it. It doesn't need to be so literal that it's God telling you to do it. But you really do get that profound sense of divine intervention. And that is just hits you right in the beginning. And you see the things that they're doing in this film to save these kids and the risk they're taking and the near death experience, the gunshots. You're worried someone's going to die. And it's just, you know, there's one scene where you don't know what's going to happen. I just want to say too much, but it's like these people are on a mission of destiny. You can call it a mission from God if you believe and you have faith. For me, it's just I grew up with these stories of superheroes. And I used to think to myself, why would it be that this fantastic story happens? When you read a story about a superhero, when you read a story about a secret agent, how could all of these crazy things be happening to this person? How could they be jumping out of a plane and surviving and fighting the villain? And I always thought, because this is why we're reading this story and not the story about a guy who lives a humble life, you know, fixing cars. No offense to mechanics. But we read the stories of great adventure because they are of great adventure. We read the stories of these heroes because they did the heroic thing. This this movie truly is, man, it really does feel like a hero's journey of fantastic proportions, but based in reality. A man who decided to take it upon himself to rescue these kids, to save them. And it is amazing. It's not so much a straightforward film like a heist film. It's not so much an action film or a drama. It's a little bit of all of them, which I really, really liked. There's a component of putting together a heist kind of vibe. There's a component of an infiltration, not just one. one at one point, I thought the movie was going to be over, and then it kept going. And the ending is really, really amazing. In the intro, you see a dad lose his kids. And it's just like everybody in the theater is crying for 45 minutes. Yo, it, 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 it affects you, man. You know, I was talking about this earlier. I, I oppose the death penalty. But when you see this story brought to life, it makes it very, very difficult. It really does. Because the evil that you see in these men who traffic these kids. And it's not like, it's not like they're beating them and they're going, yeah. It's literally them just grabbing a kid and throwing him in a cage and being like, shut your mouth. And it's just like, whoa. It's these people collecting a wad of cash and smiling and then getting their car and leaving where it seems so simple. This transaction, a kidnapped child handed off to some creep and they hand him a, a little envelope full of cash. The pure evil in its simplicity. Here's what I'm going to say about this. I'm going to wrap this up. Go see this film. Jim Caviezel was hoping that it could be like Uncle Tom's Cabin. It could inspire people to stand up against modern day slavery. I hear it, man. You really want to understand the problem of trafficking and how people ignore it. Check this film out. You should also watch this movie to support the parallel economy, to help new studios that are pushing back against Hollywood. You should see it in theaters because that experience is unparalleled. You're not going to get the same thing watching at home. You should see it because it matters. Because we want to, because we want to make change in this world. And this is one way we can do it. 
to create a culture that says no. I'll get, I, I, I'll, I'll wait to go more in depth on like a full spoiler review, but I'll leave it at that. And I really do hope do I really do hope you guys go see it because it's a good movie. Really, really well done. Shout out to uh, Caviezel and to Tim Ballard and everybody involved. You did a really great job. The movie was made five years ago, and they were try- they, they they were having a hard time getting it out. For I wonder, I wonder, I wonder why. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I'll see you all shortly. I'd like to give a shout out to our president Joe Biden for going full Mr. Burns in uh, plotting to blot out the sun because of climate change. A lot of people are posting online like the old man's done it. He's become Mr. Burns. Remember on The Simpsons when Mr. Burns wanted to block the sunlight in Springfield so everybody would have to use nuclear energy? It's like really dumb. But the idea here is blocking out the sun could slow global warming. I got an idea. Maybe you shouldn't live on the coast. Let me put it this way. I don't believe these people actually care about climate change because they're buying coastal properties. So maybe climate change is a real thing. Sure. I do believe that uh, humans contribute to great pollution on this planet. I think it's a problem. I do think renewable energies are better than fossil fuels if we can figure it out and get it in the long run, because uh, we want to be more energy independent, not rely on, say, Saudi Arabia, things like that. Nuclear energy could be good for this. I'd like humans to stop polluting. And if the end result is it reduces climate change or global warming, whatever they want to call it, so be it. But don't come to me and tell me that we need lockdowns or to blot out the sun when y'all are buying beachfront properties that by your own accord will be underwater. Don't you come to me and say, if we don't reverse this, the world will end in five years. And then five years later, we're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Let me tell you about Greta Thunberg, right? She put out that tweet. She deleted, I believe, where she was like, if we don't reverse things in five years, it's over. A lot of people thought, And we're tweeting that she was saying the world would be ending today. No, 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 no. She was saying we had five years to solve the problems. Otherwise, you can't solve them. And then we'll eventually, from that point on, die off or something. Okay. The reason they have to get rid of that tweet is because how are they going to make people do things if people believe it's too late to do things? You see how it works? They're liars. No, don't get me wrong. I will work towards cutting pollution. No problem there. I'll work towards renewable energies. No problem there. Just don't lie to my face. Say it's for economic reasons. Say it's for reasons of war, whatever. I don't care. But here's the story. Political reports. The White House offered measure, a measured support for the idea of studying how to block sunlight from hitting Earth's surface as a way to limit global warming. In a congressionally mandated report that could help bring efforts once confined to science fiction into the realm of legitimate debate. The controversial concept known as solar radiation modification is a potentially effective response to fight climate change, but one that could have unknown side effects stemming from altering the chemical makeup of the atmosphere, some scientists say. Can I just point out that it's like insane and absurd? The idea that the White House report released late Friday indicates that the Biden admin is open to studying the possibility that altering sunlight might quickly cool the planet. But it added a degree of skepticism, blah, 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 blah. Okay, geoengineering, blah, blah. As if anybody could do anything if they were to like blot out the sun. Like, could you imagine a clear sunny day, but it's dark out? Like sunny as in, it, in, in any other circumstance, you'd look to the sky and see clear skies, no clouds, 
The sun should be there, but instead something happens where it's dark. Who could possibly imagine something like that? Oh, it literally just happened. I love this conspiracy theory. So in the past week, I actually had been been uh, off the week prior uh, for the most part because I had lost my voice. I think I was out until like Friday, actually. I lost my voice. Uh, I was partly sick, but I, I wonder if I was actually even sick or if it was just the air. The air got so bad. I woke up and I lost my voice. And then uh, last week I missed Thursday because once again, I woke up and I could not talk. Sure enough, the air was considered unhealthy and it was really, really bad. We had this smoke from the Canadian wildfires brushing over the East Coast, which I find interesting that uh, around the same time you have talk of blotting out the sun, this happens. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think it's correlation. I think it's fairly obvious. There are a lot of Canadian wildfires likely due to forest mismanagement, and now we are reaping the benefits of the Canadian government's failures. You come to me and say the Canadian government is a failure, I'll say, yep. You come to me and say there's an evil plot by ultra-rich people to blot out the sun, and I'm going to be like, yeah, probably not. We know they're talking about geoengineering, but I really doubt they're doing it. Some people have said it only takes a couple hundred people to start the fires in Canada, and it could be arsonists, and it really could be. But I think there's a really simple answer. There were lightning storms. We tracked them. And Canada is a terribly, terribly mismanaged government. But here's the conspiracy theory that I love. The smoke that's brushing over the U.S., it actually is blotting out the sun. It actually does make otherwise sunny days hazy and dark out. Weirdest thing. I have a window over here. And when the haze came in, you'd look outside and it looked it looked like an overcast day, sort of. You could see the haze in the distance. But the sunlight coming in the room was orange. Really, really weird. But I love that conspiracy. Now, I don't think that it's actually happening, but it is funny that these things sort of coincide. Here's the bad news. According to heatmap.news, which again, you know, I'm not really familiar with. I say again in that I often reference this. I don't know the source. They say the East Coast smoke could last until October. Yeah, that's apocalyptic. No, no kidding. When the air first got bad and I'm working and I'm talking and huffing and breathing all day, I had a hard time breathing. You know what I think the issue was? We've got these vents and they, I think they're, they're exposed. That's how we got to get them fixed and checked out and stuff like that. Could be why the AC keeps failing. But um, we, we covered them and we can see there's uh, uh, positive pressure coming from the vents because you can see the bags are being pressed upon. I think what was happening was air from the outside was coming in the studio a lot. And it was resulting in uh, me breathing poorly, which probably had a negative impact. You know, that air was really, really bad. If this really does last until October, it's going to shut down economic activity. It's resulting in lockdowns. This is where where people get these conspiracy ideas from. They talked about wanting climate change lockdowns because the earth was healing. This was during COVID. Now when the smoke comes, they tell you stay indoors or else. And they weren't wrong. Some people were reporting there was like benzene and plastics and stuff in the air. I don't know about all that. All I can, all I know is I could not breathe outside. I'm not kidding. It was bad. I think the air quality index had it at like 175 or whatever, which is into the unhealthy. It's not, it was not not even the worst. It was worse in New York. Surprise, surprise. In New York City, where there is, you know, much of the population density, everybody has to stay inside and once again, lock down. So, It makes you wonder, I guess. But again, the simple answer is that Canada is an incompetent government. They mismanage their forests. And for this, this is what happens. 
I know there's a lot of firefighters fighting really, really hard. I mean, no disrespect. We've got firefighters in the U.S. who have gone up there to help. They're trying to put the stuff out. But if Canada did right by their forest management, this wouldn't be happening. We had on Timcast IRL a guest who we were all talking about this, that there are lords in Europe who have hundreds of thousands of acres that never burn down. Why? Because of proper forest management. They have crews go out and manage the, the, the forest floor so that there's not an overgrowth of brush and fires. The reality is forest fires are a natural occurrence. Of course they are. Lightning strikes and the brush that's built up burns and then the forests grow back. The problem is humans prevent forest fires, which causes massive overgrowth and makes the forests ten time, the forest fires 10 times worse. So proper management can make sure it doesn't get out of hand. But I've heard some interesting things here, too. Some people telling me they thought that it was controlled burns that went awry, that the Canadian government was trying to properly manage and they screwed up, causing massive fires. What I can say is this. There's conversations about blotting out the sun around the time the sun is being blotted out. Coincidence? Probably. But maybe we just live in a simulation. The other issue is the air gets so bad, lockdowns happen. And you are going to get, whether you want it or not, conspiracy theorists who will not believe it. Why? As many have asked, why are people are asking now, why have we not seen this before? Was there not haze from these fires? I've never seen anything like this. You know, to be honest, though, people have told me that up in Montana and Minnesota, this kind of thing happens all the time because Canada does have a lot of fires. It usually just doesn't reach down this far. So what do you think? I have to wonder about the seriousness of climate change, because as I mentioned earlier, these people buy beachfront properties. But why would they then push these ideas if not climate change? It makes you wonder. Some argue that they're communists who want to take control. They need some kind of cause to rally people to vote for them. That I certainly understand, though I'm not saying it's true. But there's problem reaction solution as it goes. Create a problem Respond to the reaction with your solution, and then you get people to do what you want. Here's what I think is more likely. I think the fires happen. We've had the Dust Bowl era in this country. We now have fires sweeping over the U.S. I guarantee you one thing. Corrupt politicians and government actors will exploit this problem to steal power. They don't need a conspiracy to control things when they can just wait for a catastrophe and exploit it for power. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.